Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. TalkSport's game day post-match podcast returns with me, Sam Adderface, TalkSport transfer guru and commentator Alex Crook and the one and the only Darren Bent. Do you want me to say something? Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, when you looked at me, I wasn't sure if there was a little... No, you, you're going to do the old... <laughs> I thought you were going to give it the old woohoo like you did oh, in no, the original version. I didn't version. say anything. I didn't know that. I was supposed to say something. Yeah, you're always supposed to go woohoo. A woohoo! Yeah, well, give yourself a woo. <laughs> uh, coming up, despite more misses than Henry VIII, new look Everton pick up their first win over Tottenham since Jose was in vogue and Tottenham were full of promise. Yeah, it was that long ago. Kane isolated, Hoybier kicking lumps out of people and a defence that leaked more often than a rusty tap. Did Mourinho get a hospital pass from Poch and Levy or will his head soon be on the chopping block? Across North London, it's all smiles as Princely Willian provides the ammunition for Arsenal to be top gunners at the end of the weekend. Bielsa's bucket gets attention in spades, but neither Leeds or Liverpool look like they could defend a sandcastle at the weekend. We hear from Jurgen Klopp. Crystal Palace beat Southampton with wantaway Wilf, sulky celebs and a cause for concern. The baggies bashed up by Barnes and Bruce's magpies fly off with the points from sorry West Ham. Well, at least Callum Wilson's happy got on the score sheet thankfully but I probably should have had more today disappointed not to not to get more in the first half but you know the moment, most important thing is three points clean sheet Jeff got on the score sheet as well so another debutant and um, we move forward into next week we'll look at Brighton against Chelsea and Sheffield United against Wolverhampton Wanderers and analyse our dream team performance all on the podcast with all the heft of an Ainsley Maitland-Niles back pass the game day Premier League post-match pod from TalkSport Here we go, the first of a new season, and Alex Crook and Darren Bent have joined me on the 14th floor of the news building. Well, Jets, it's great to see you in person for the first time in six months. High five, high five, high five. No, don't touch me. I was, was a test. I was giving you a virtual high five. That was five. a test. Oh, I Christ. think he was going full in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get uh, straight in off the bat. Best and worst performances of the weekend, nice and quick. What you got for me? Player or team? Anything you want. Worst performance, West Ham, by some distance. Right, okay. Best performance, Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Crook? Uh, best performance, Arsenal. And worst performance, Tottenham by Country Mile. I thought they were dreadful. Okay. Uh, me, best performance, Gabriel at Arsenal. Uh, looked commanding in the heart of defence, good in the air, kept a clean sheet on debut and scored a towering header. Worst, Fulham's defence. Michael Hector, he's such an important character, actually, I thought, during the, the promotion run. He's six foot three. But not only did he get out-jumped uh, from a uh, corner kick for the Gabriel goal, 
but also he struggled on the halfway line with Lacazette for the third goal, which Aubameyang ended up uh, putting in. And Tim Ream with his tangled feet for the Willian goal. Adoy pulled all over the place. He's not a right back for me. Uh, so I think they've got serious problems. Do you know what as well? You're right. Hector, I think he struggled. But also as well, the back end of last season when Fulham got promoted, I thought Josh Onomar was probably their best player. He was completely non-existent against Arsenal. And I think that mm. shows the step up in quality between Championship and Premier League. OK, let's get to the games in detail. And there's only one place to start. Lamello has a shot, it might come here for Harry Kane! When Carlo goes to Everton, it's easy to understand what Everton wants, what Carlo wants, which are their ambitions. We can satisfy this desire uh, this season and we are going to do our best for this. Still going here, King. It could fall for Walcott, who shoots right across the face of goal and Everton have got themselves back into the match and it's Richarlison. Tottenham nil, Everton one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the end of a pinpoint Luca Dina free kick on the left-hand side, rose over everybody else and put a powerful header behind Hugo Lloris. Uh, Everton well deserved to be on top here. It's Tottenham nil, Everton one. Look, there are players without precision. It's as simple as that. How many times Harry Kane trained with with the team? Once, just to give you an example. Uh, and I could give you, I could give you more. Of course, we will get better. Ah, you thought I was going to say Liverpool leads, didn't you? But Jose Mourinho losing the first game for the first time in his career of the opening day of a season. Matt Doherty having a good chance in that first half, but there was a lack of sharpness and intensity about Tottenham all over the park. And actually, they were lucky not to be well beaten. Uh, Delhi getting it on a plate, but then dragged off at half-time. Let's hear a little bit of Jose post-match. We were poor. We were not good enough at all. Lots of people were not sharp. We didn't have intensity, sharpness. Uh, creativity and uh, after the goal they were the best team um, in the first half you stay with the possession and I stay with um, two amazing situations by uh, Sonic uh, creating to Dele and uh, Kane creating to, to Doherty and two great saves by Pickford yeah, Delhi off Sissoko on. Was that a substitution that worked at half-time, do we think? It was one that took me by surprise because Delhi Ali has had a pretty good pre-season, um, speaking to my Tottenham supporting friends, and I think they were expecting big things. They were expecting the Delhi Ali that really turned on the style when Jose first replaced Pochettino, but, I mean, clearly, Mourinho frustrated. He said it was a tactical substitution, no injury. How would Deli Ali have reacted to that? Big surprise for you, um, the Deli Ali coming off at half time, not the fact that he's got friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a, it was a surprise because I thought first half Deli Ali had a couple of chances, so he, he was getting into attacking areas and quite dangerous areas as well. And I don't think Sissoko gives you that; it gives you a lot of hustle and bustle. I mean, a lot of endeavour. But for me, he doesn't really he doesn't create anything. And I think in that kind of t- type of game, there were kind of. Everton are attacking and they're creating opportunities that was kind of a negative substitution for me so I think if I wouldn't have been an Everton player and seen that happen I'd have been like you know what I think we've got these here At what stage does Jose Mourinho actually come, become accountable for these uh, performances holding himself accountable because he's not going to lift the mood by keep digging out the players and that seems to be a theme every time something goes wrong He should have become accountable when his team ground out a dour 1-1 draw at Crystal Palace on the last day of last season, securing Europa League qualification and celebrating like he just won the Premier League title. If if that is where Jose Mourinho's star is now, then it's fallen a long, long way. Sometimes teams represent their manager 
we're going to talk about Leeds later, and you know they're they're moulded in the image of Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, Tottenham have become Jose Mourinho. They're boring. Um, they're dour. Their first um, school of thought is to stop the opposition scoring rather than trying to impose themselves on the game. But it's no surprise because, for me, Jose Mourinho is yesterday's man. He was a great manager. He isn't anymore, and. You can see the players are not enjoying it. Harry Kane's body language, he's so frustrated in that Tottenham team. He's wasting the best years of his career because they are so far away from being contenders for major honours. It is scary. I was going to say Everton hadn't beaten uh, a top six team for a while, but actually I don't know if Spurs could be put in that bracket anymore. It's the first time they've beaten Spurs since 2012. But Tottenham's decline isn't a new thing, is it? I mean, it's not something that's been happening over the course of the last year or so. It's a steady decline, season on season in the league. Not only have their wins, goals for and against, points and finish declined year on year, but their in-game stats have taken a significant hit since 16-17 when they finished second in the Premier League. Their average possession significantly decreasing as well as having fewer attempts on goal, facing more attempts, conceding more goals, scoring fewer goals. And ultimately, if that is a trend that continues over three or four years, which it has done, it's going to come back and bite you in the backside. Of course it is, and you're right. And what they've done as well, year on year, they've not really added any real significant quality. I mean, I question that the Hoiberg signing, and yeah, he might be a good player, but is he the type of player that's going to get Spurs fans really excited about, listen, we're getting, I can see what Mourinho's trying to do here. We're trying to go to the next level. Well, the obvious answer to that is no. I mean, I like Doherty. I think he's a, a very good fullback. But for me, I'd be more concerned that, but Spurs players leaving than more coming in because Harry Kane, as you said, they, on his day, he's arguably one of the, the best in world football. But surely he's he's driving home tonight thinking, I'm not quite sure this is for me because I, I am wasting the best years of my life, as Crookie said. And he wants to be playing at the very top in the Champions League. Well, on today's performance, Spurs are going to get nowhere near the Champions League. Uh, Hoybier obviously was brought in just so that Eric Dyer could play at centre-half. <laughs> I hope so because... It's, it, I don't because quite what's know. the other explanation? Well, well, he was supposed to be brought in to free up Spurs more attacking midfield players but as I've said before anyone who's watched him at Southampton he isn't that type of player he isn't disciplined enough just to sit there and and allow other players to play and and when we talk about discipline he was very lucky not to get a straight red card and he He will get yellow cards and he will get sendings off He, he isn't a top four player and Tottenham should be a club with aspirations on the top four I was sitting across the road watching that on the big screen and I winced when uh, Hoybier went into that challenge. Ooh, it was horrible, wasn't it? It wasn't nice. <laughs> it was horrible. I but mean, it wasn't out of character. But it was reckless. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, I think it's lucky not well. to get even looked at by the VAR. I thought so. I mean, it was great feet. I think it was Richarlson, was it? Or yeah, Calvert-Lewin? Great feet. But you're right, that, that type of tackle there. And, and Mourinho, I, I know he's not going to be happy, but you're right, at some stage he's got to kind of look at maybe the recruitment of himself, the way the team are planning and going, well, you know what? Maybe I'm to blame here a little bit. Is Daniel Levy going to take some flack here as he well? He always does. He, I mean, a bit, but quite rightly so, actually. Too. I mean, if you look, watch that All or Nothing documentary, he's the one that flogs Christian Eriksen when Jose doesn't actually want him to do that. And they've never replaced him, by the way. They've never replaced that creativity. 50 Premier League goals. Yeah, and the excuse for that was it doesn't send the message of a club of our size letting someone go for three. So we, we should probably let him go now, Jose. Well, actually, it cost them at the end of last season and not replacing him has cost them this. Do you know what? I just wonder if Christian Eriksen kind of saw what was coming and mm. thought, you know what, this team's not getting any better. He sees other people moving to different clubs. He looks at the, the biggest clubs around the world. And he he, looks he, where he's he was exposed. almost as miserable as Joe was in that documentary. And, and, and I was just wondering if he thinks, you know what, this team's not good enough to get to my ambition of where I want to get to, so I need to get out of here. And I think in the end, I don't think he really wanted to go to Inter Milan, but I think he just felt anywhere else was better than staying at Spurs. Has Jose Mourinho become the epitome of 
everything that he used to despise, when he used to taunt Arsene Wenger about becoming a specialist in failure. Where does Jose Mourinho see himself now in terms of the top echelons of, of managers? I think winning a trophy is all or nothing for him this season because if he doesn't deliver some silverware, the whole point of recruiting him is is a moot point, isn't it? Because that was why Daniel Levy broke with tradition, decided to go down the route of, instead of uh, building a legacy and building some sort of uh, club from the ground upwards, actually to go straight in for someone who he believed was one of the best managers in the world to try and put a pot on the shelf. If, okay, if, if t- for instance, if they go and win the, the League Cup... And they but, will, but, that, that's but finish, what they'll target. But finish 10th. Is that is that a successful season for me? Not really. Not at all. Do you know what I mean, I don't think Spurs fans, as desperate as they are for a trophy, they won't st- they won't stand for that. And I think a few players as well. As I said, Harry Kane will go. Mm. Well, I spoke about ambition, and as long as the club match my own, then I'm more than happy to stay. Well, a League Cup win and finishing tenth, there's no way he's going to want to stay and play for that. Let's talk about Everton because I thought they did really well and they moved the ball really quickly. They created a lot of opportunities. There was a couple of brilliant balls in from James Rodriguez, which Richarlison really should have put away. I mean, he had a couple of great opportunities, <laughs> one of which <laughs> one of which we were on air at the time talking yeah. about it and we had Andy Cole with us as well. And everyone was like, how has he not scored? How, how has he not scored? And if he's not going to score from that uh, angle, why has he not squared it to Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I mean, I would just, I would have just rolled it in as I said on air. But yeah. I, I mean, for Everton's point of view, the the positive is there were so many times last season they weren't creating anything and it was a little bit stale to watch. But I can't remember. I'd be interested to find that the last time they created so many opportunities and clear cut opportunities in a game. It's also the first time in forty one Premier League away games that they've beaten one of the so called Big Six. Big Six. Tottenham. No, but it's a statement result <laughs> because these are the games where Everton, even under Ancelotti last season, came up short. They've sent a message out now to the rest of the division. We mean business. We are here to be taken seriously. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin should be taken seriously as well. We mentioned it in the podcast leading up to the... Uh, you love him, don't you? Pad. You I love do. him. I love Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think he's great. I think he's superb in the air. His movement's good. If he gets decent service, he will score goals. Well, you know what? You've hit the nail on the head there. Movement, you're correct. He, he's, he's always, he does miss a lot of chances, but I think I will try and take the positives that he's always getting these opportunities. And anyone who sees that header today, I mean, he's, I think he's sandwiched in between two... Defenders. Dyer and Alderweireld and, and he comes up the back and in the middle and he's like have some of that what, what, I mean what a header but again from a Spurs perspective terrible defending but for himself it's a big year for him Callum Wilson there's a lot of these guys now fighting for this, this England spot leading up to the Euros and he's got off to a very very good start I think he's a, a perfect alternative to Harry Kane because he's just a little bit different but he's also got a lot of physicality and he's quick and he looked razor sharp today yes, to me he, he looked really sharp Talking of people who look razor sharp, I think we should probably accentuate the positives of Jordan Pickford's performance. He was commanding, especially in his area, coming out for crosses, punching things away, getting good hooks on the ball. I thought it was very good. Maybe this is what he needs. A, a bit of a kick up the backside because he has genuine competition now. Maybe before, we saw it with Joe Hart, maybe it was all a bit easy. He, he knew his England number one spot was secure, but he's got people like Dean Henderson, uh, like Pope, like Aaron Ramsdale pushing him on now and, and maybe it's just made him refocus and go back to being the goalkeeper that we always felt he could be if he cut out the silly mistakes. So both Merseyside teams start with victories. Well, only just. Here we go with Leeds United. 
on this near side, an outswinger in towards Virgil van Dijk, and he powers the header into the goal. Messier tries to keep it out, but he can only carry it into the back of the net, and it's 2-1 to Liverpool. Dallas sending the ball forward, and oh, van Dijk has given it away, and Patrick it's Bamford is in, and he's poked the ball behind Allison, and it's into the net, and it's 2-2. It's a fantastic response, twice from Leeds United now, twice going behind the Anfield, but having the having the, the confidence to keep their football going and take full advantage of the opportunities that they've got. Click inside the area, a right-footed oh, 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 shot, oh, oh. volley into the far corner and they've equalised again. This Leeds United team do not know how to lay down. They are giving the champions of England one hell of a game. There's the full-time whistle. There is the end of what was an absolutely captivating, thrilling, breathless 90 minutes. Liverpool came out of the blocks at rapid speed last season. They won the Premier League title faster than anyone. But over the course of this evening, they were shackled and checked by a Leeds United team that robbed the championship last season. It will get easier for them, and Liverpool did get the job done, but they did not have it all their own way. It finished at Anfield. Liverpool 4, Leeds United 3. Leeds faced one of the toughest starts of the season. Not only did they face both Liverpool and Manchester City in their first four games of the campaign, but they got Sheffield United and Wolves, who both secured top half finishes last season as well. But boy, what a thrilling start to the season. I thought Leeds applied themselves brilliantly and they weren't phased at all when going behind. No fear. And to come back three times, as you said, against Liverpool is absolutely superb. But the way they played football as well, and, and you could tell that they've done their homework, the way they played, they, they set up to, to play that certain way where every time that it was like one or two passes, then clip it in behind or slide it in behind. And that caused Liverpool no ends of problems. And I just feel that Leeds potentially might have set the blueprint of how to beat Liverpool because they had so many opportunities and a bit more quality in the final third. They might have gone on and won that game. It's not a new thing that Liverpool started conceding goals, though, Crookie, is it? I mean, at the end of last season, they conceded 18 in their last 12 Premier League games. They conceded one in the previous 11 going into that. Three yesterday in chaotic circumstances, and that's without the contender for the best own goal ever from Trent Alexander-Arnold, which was ruled off. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you know what it was? It was a spin that done him. If you watch it, he thinks the ball's going to bounce away so he can head it, and it just comes back to his head. Great Bang. finish. Brilliant finish. Great header. Uh, how much of a worrying trend is the fact they keep conceding goals? A big one, as far as Jurgen Klopp is concerned, because other teams around them are getting stronger and seemingly with no sign of any new faces, Liverpool, for me, are getting weaker. And I think what Leeds did was expose the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold, for all his, all his attacking attributes, isn't the world's best defender. Jack Harrison told me that after the game. Well, there he you said go. that they watched the videos and clips of it and they knew where they could hurt them and that was an area. Yeah, so that is an area that Jurgen Klopp, in turn, is going to have to work on and try and to improve... Alexander-Arnold's defensive capabilities. I still think they need a centre-half to go in alongside Virgil van Dijk. Joe Gomez, for me, is nowhere near the finished article. He's still young, though, isn't he? That's what I read this morning. He's still young. He'll make mistakes. He's I like 23. Him. I like him, I do. Joe 23? Gomez. You can't yeah. keep saying he's young, though, at 23, can you? No, but I like how powerful he is. He's quick. I thought his yeah. distribution on the ball was quite good And yesterday. sometimes his mopping up is really good. He reads very the good. game very, very well. But he, he is prone to the odd mistake here and there. Which, which English centre-off isn't? isn't yeah. It was a chaotic <laughs> performance as far as Liverpool are concerned and if you're looking for a player to bring a bit of calmness then surely there's no one better than Thiago Alcantara Alcantara or Alcantara yeah. <laughs> uh, th- Just call him Thiago mate. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't want to pay the £30 million pounds. 
No, they're just negotiating. The transfer window doesn't close until October the 5th, does it? So you think you'll definitely come in, Sam? I think he'll come in if Vijnaldum leaves. If Vijnaldum doesn't leave, I think they'll wait till next season and try and wow. get him on a free transfer. I'm not quite sure. I mean, listen, the squad is very, very good, but I don't think they've got the strength and depth. We said this on the pod on Thursday. Yeah, I don't think they've got the strength and depth to go toe-to-toe with like Manchester City. And you could even throw into the, 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 the mix Chelsea. Now their their strength and depth is, is unbelievable. So I think if they don't go on Apart and win from the, pro- the back, yeah, okay, there, there we'll is. get there. We'll get no, there. No, they got we'll Thiago Silva. We're, we're coming. We're coming. We're coming to them in just a second. <laughs> I thought Mohamed Salah was brilliant, but I thought Naby Keita playing high up, almost as a number ten, had a real impact on the game. But it was so squeezed, wasn't it? Both teams playing very very high lines, and I think we knew what Leeds would try to do. But the fact that they had the personality to execute it at Anfield. Shows a lot about Marcelo Bielsa and he's sort of like, you know, throwing out convention. He's not faced by anything. We knew that was going to be the case, but to see it with my own eyes, I was quite blown away. It goes back to the point I was making about teams mirroring their manager. He's eccentric, his team are eccentric, he's fearless, Leeds are fearless. They're going to be a joy to watch in the Premier League this season and they are going to leave some of the big clubs with bloody noses. He did come out with the most ridiculous statement of the day though, didn't he? When he said, uh, "The fact is, is, is that there was no, there's no blame attached to Rodrigo because there is no direct relationship between the foul by Rodrigo and the result." Well, there clearly was. <laughs> for, listen, for me, and I said this earlier, I thought he was terrible when he came on Rodrigo. I think they kept trying to clear the ball. He kept coming back. He didn't get hold of it. He gave the penalty away. He just didn't look like he was ready to come on and take Patrick Bamford's place, who had played very well up very until that well. point. Yeah. Um, are we worried a bit about Roberto Firmino? One Premier League goal in twenty Premier League home matches, and that was a really good chance to win it. You can get away with being a number nine who doesn't score any goals if your team are picking up trophies as Liverpool have done. But if they fall behind Manchester City, I think his lack of goals will be highlighted a lot more. I totally agree. I mean, he's got great quality, but you're right. He was just a bit sluggish again in front of goal. A few through passes to him, couldn't get it out of his feet. He didn't have that turn of pace to get away from somebody. So I do think you're right in what Crookie's saying there. If teams score first even and they're chasing games I'm not quite sure he's composed enough or ruthless enough to take opportunities Okay, let's have a look at some of the news lines and transfers that people were talking about. We have the transfer guru with us. We might as well explore this. And uh, Aston Villa are doing a bit of business, aren't they? They wanted a new goalkeeper. Their 28th uh, goalkeeper that they've got on their books now, Emmy Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I still feel a bit sorry for Emmy Martinez because I interviewed him a couple of times for Talk Sport during lockdown. He was so pleased and so enthusiastic about the fact that he'd become the incumbent at the Arsenal number one shirt. I did him after the FA Cup final and I w- was almost in tears. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fantastic backstory. He's in impoverished background. And it's a good move for him. Um, good move for Aston Villa. £20 million the fee. Arsenal turning their attention towards potential replacement. I think David Raya at Brentford was a, a big target, but they're saying he's not going to go. They've been linked uh, with an Icelandic goalkeeper, Runar Alex Runarsson from Dijon. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's played a couple of games for uh, Iceland actually, but still well behind uh, Halderson, who is a commercial director. Right, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> that he, direct, he directed the uh, Reykjavik Marathon commercial this year. Did he? Yeah. It's like that's like doing the John Lewis ad here. That is some knowledge, by the way, Sam. By the way, but on the so subject of Aston, much time and on, on my own. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of Aston Villa, they've been busy, haven't they? Ollie Watkins through the door, massive fee, thirty-three million pounds with add-ons, possibly overpriced for me. But another player is coming to Villa Park, a player that you and I know well, Sam from Chelsea. 
uh, Bertrand Traore, £17 million fee agreed. He was agreed at Chelsea, wasn't with he? Leon. Went to French football, played for Leon, did well for them. Good goal scoring record for them. Yeah, it has got a good goal scoring record. Chelsea get a sell on, do they? They do. Yeah, incredibly. I think well, he only played well done, 10 Marina. Premier League games <laughs> for Chelsea. But what that does mean, and it's this domino effect that we've talked about in the past. It means that Villa are no longer in for Saeed Ben Rama. Looks like he may well be on his way to Crystal Palace for £20 million. And they, they lacked goals last season, so big spending for Palace as well. We, we will talk about Crystal Palace in just a few minutes, but yes, indeed they do. Sergio Regulon, uh, Manchester United interested, is that correct? I think he's more interested in Manchester United than they are in him at the moment. <laughs> I, I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has ruled it out, but at the moment we all know Jadon Sancho is his main target, left-back. He's got Luke Shaw, he's got Brandon Williams, but if, if the fee came down, I think Sevilla want €30 million. Euros. If they lowered that price, then maybe that could happen. What did you make when you heard that Kylian Mbappe is going to tell <laughs> PSG that he wants to leave next summer for a career either in the Liga or the Premier League? It's exciting because I'm, I'm, I think he's, he's too good for the French League. I mean, when you, when you play for PSG, it's about the Champions League. They win that, that French League every single season. So the fact that he's either choosing the um, La Liga or the Premier League You'd have to say if it's La Liga, it's more than likely going to be Real Madrid. But Premier League, you start thinking, well, where's it going to be? Because he spoke about Liverpool a lot. So potentially maybe... He it, likes Liverpool. He does like he? Liverpool. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why they've maybe not committed this 30 million yet because they're going to need, listen, a lot of money to be able to get him from PSG. <laughs> so hold on to that 30 million. Uh, by the way, <laughs> said they don't do that. So, Chelsea do that. Liverpool don't do that. Well, they do do that, don't they? Not according to their Well, manager. they spent £75 million pounds on Virgil van Dijk and about £68 million. Pounds I guarantee if he is up for a sale and, yeah. and the price is obviously reasonable, you'd have to think that every I top did, team in the Premier League would have to I, go I for did, it. I did think the whole Jurgen Klopp talking about Chelsea thing was a bit disingenuous, bearing in mind that Chelsea had sold a player for £143 million quid and hadn't spent anything for exactly. two transfer windows. But anyway, that shows he's rattled player. as well. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has uh, signed a new three-year deal. Um, although Wolves have just made three signings uh, in a week, he says that the squad build is not complete yet, so it looks like he's still building a dynasty there. It's going to be an interesting season for Wolves because I think it'll be difficult for them to match the achievements of the last couple of campaigns, not just because they haven't particularly strengthened, but because clubs around them like Everton and Arsenal have kicked on. So I'm pleased for Wolves that he has extended his contract. It will feel like a new signing. It gives them a bit of stability. But I think if they finish in the top half, they can be quite pleased. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
And the Game Day podcast wouldn't be the Game Day podcast without Andrew Butler and Dream Team. And of course, we've done our Dream Team mini leagues this year, Andrew. And uh, how well did we do? I know that Alex Crook struggled with the technology. Uh, but uh, <laughs> producer Lucy and I, um, you know, we got our teams done. Darren Lewis did did quite well. Who Who's winning so far out of the three of us? Well, look, can I just say thank you to, to the uh, so thousands, literally thousands of people who, who listen to this podcast who've entered the league. There's over 7,000 people uh, in the mini league. I except said, for Alex uh, Crook. Except for Alex yes. Crook. He was I the said, only one out of those 7,000 that couldn't get it working. <laughs> but I am very busy. <laughs> I, I said earlier in the week that I'd take the top 3,000. It was a slightly flippant remark, but actually now with 7,000 people in there, I think I would take the top uh, top 3,000. Yeah. Look, there's a... Let's have a quick rundown of the of the scores. Obviously, and I have to caveat this, it's the first day of the season, the first weekend of the season. So, Sam, you are currently 4,614th. Yes, but Pope, the- Bolly, Rudiger, Havertz, Pulisic, <laughs> Bruno Fernandes yeah. all haven't played. Have yet to play. Correct. Uh, producer Lucy, 2,859th wow. with 25 points. And I am incredibly proud to essentially be earning my earning my salary here uh, because I'm um, I'm leading. Well, I, I, I'm 1,094th, so not quite leading. You know, I'm not bad. Uh, I'm leading out of the three of us with oh, 41 uh, points. Okay, so who are your top scorers then? Who are the top scorers in Dream Team this week? I take it Mohamed Salah it, had a pretty good week. Mohamed Salah had an excellent week, 28 points, which is, uh, you know, it's the sort of figures you get in when you're uh, scoring a hat-trick. Um, but he's 10 clear of um, next best, which was uh, Timothy Castagna, which um, an, an excellent debut from from the Leicester man. Um, he got 18 points. And Jeff Hendrick with uh, 15. Now, Jeff Hendrick was uh, an interesting pick. I don't know if uh, he'll be putting up those sort of consistent um, point scores uh, in, in following weeks. He's only been picked by 0.1 percent of uh, managers so far so uh, does that assist even does that assist even count yeah it did well, okay I thought, yeah. going, I thought he was going for goal well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough I mean it was a it was a fantastic goal that he scored as well oh. and um, you know Newcastle you know um, put put West Ham away um, yesterday Arsenal again did similar to, to Fulham and Arsenal have got West Ham uh, this coming weekend as well so that'll be uh, fun um, my main tip is if you've got West Ham players Leave it for a moment. <laughs> yeah, they've got a really tough run. We'll get to that in just a second, actually. Um, let's talk about uh, people we should be putting in this week ahead. Who should we be looking at? Because, of course, League Cup games also count, don't they? So players that are playing in teams that are occupying European berths or are playing in Europe later in the season will not be playing in midweek, but it gives you an opportunity to steal a march. Yeah, and look, I thought... The Leeds versus Liverpool fixture was was absolute. Well, obviously, game of the weekend, and they're going to be an interesting team to to get anyone from um, this season because they're obviously showing signs that they will be scoring goals at least. Perhaps their defence might be uh, conceding a few more than than you want them to, and especially in Dream Team, um, defenders get quite heavily punished. But um, uh, Patrick Bamford got eight points Jack Harrison got eight points and these are sort of players actually I think especially Bamford and Harrison probably will be playing uh, midweek in the Carabao Cup too Yeah well he's played a, a huge number of games Harrison under Marcelo Bielsa I think he's played 49 straight games now uh, for the uh, Argentine manager um, Looking ahead uh, further ahead to the weekend you mentioned uh, Arsenal uh, their big game against West Ham United but also uh, it's a big batch for uh, Liverpool isn't there? 
Yeah, obviously Chelsea away next Sunday. Um, and actually, this is probably the, the time that you want to be um, bringing in your Man United and your Man City players. Obviously, didn't have a, a fixture in the opening weekend. Yeah. Um, this weekend just gone. Uh, and they'll be the big players that you're wanting to be getting in in Dream Team um, for the rest of the season, of course. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Lovely. Thanks, Sam. The EastEnders saga rolls on as Newcastle win at the London Stadium and with protest out front and an uninspiring performance from David Moyes' side, what's next? Well, we'll get into them in just a second, but first of all, here's £20 million summer signing for Newcastle, Callum Wilson. I think whenever you come into a new club as a striker, you've always looked at to, to get the team um, you know, in front in the game and thankfully I managed to do that today. Um, tried to just work hard and implement myself on the game managed to, to have a few chances like I say in the first half but I think the, the most important thing was, was definitely getting, get going in front getting the, the first goal and for me it can sort of you know help you relax a little bit settle in even more and um, obviously justify yourself to the fans I guess there's probably question marks not just from the, the Newcastle fans but from everybody um, not having a great season last year Going into this one, I've got a point to prove and you know I've got to um, get off to a flying start and thankfully I did that today. Wilson, delighted to get off the mark. And, and Darren, what does that do for your confidence when you've just joined a club like Newcastle United? I mean, obviously you, you went up to Sunderland, you put on that shirt, you score straight away. What does it mean? Listen, it's confidence. It's massive for Callum Wilson. He had a bit of an indifferent season last season. Didn't quite look fit to me. Didn't look 100%. But we know that he's, he's an international. He scored goals for England. But getting a goal on your debut, and it, it's, it's weird because when I signed for Sunderland, the team I'd scored more goals against than anyone was Bolton Wanderers. And I scored on my debut against Bolton Wanderers. The team he scored more goals against is West, West Ham. Ham yeah. And he scores on his debut. And it, Do you know that going into the game? Is it in your mind? It is because you know that you score against this team regular. So readily he's thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get an opportunity today because it's West Ham. And it's just funny how things work out but he looked sharp he looked strong yesterday he scored a good goal he could have had a couple others and I think for Newcastle United and Steve Bruce it, uh, that is a superb signing and I, I said it and I'll stand by it I feel he'll be a better signing for Newcastle than Rodriguez at Everton Well that's interesting because um, I, I must admit I was a little bit sceptical about Callum Wilson I don't know what's going to happen over the course of the next six months but anyway I thought it was really sharp he nipped it in front of Fabianski who I think maybe probably should have claimed that I don't think it was particularly good goalkeeping but anyway He's got to be credited, hasn't he? And obviously, this is a team with the fourth worst goal-scoring record last campaign. And immediately, they're on the front foot, two new signings, and both of them get a goal. Yeah, two strands to this for me. One, uh, Callum Wilson definitely knew about his goal-scoring record against West Ham because he spoke quite openly about the fact he loves playing against them and he was going to score again, which he duly did. Um, secondly, I don't think his mind was completely on the job at Bournemouth last season. I think he was just a player who perhaps had been there too long, got is too comfortable. Is that a worry with the Newcastle nightlife and the... Goldfish Bowl that it is in the northeast. Maybe, but I'm thinking more that he just needed a new challenge, and he has the the carrot now of of a place in the England squad because there's a lot of competition. Calvert Lewin, um, Tammy Abraham, Danny, Danny Ings. Ings, of course. So he's by no means a shoe in for a place on the plane. So I think that will be motivation for him. 
but also at Bournemouth last season, he only scored nine goals. He admits that was an underachievement, but he wasn't missing chances. They weren't creating chances. I think Steve Bruce now will play to his strength. They'll get plenty of balls into the penalty area. He knows all about his movement, playing on the shoulder of defenders. If he stays fit, and that is an if because he's had a couple of serious knee injuries, he will get a minimum of 15 goals this season. Okay, what's happening at West Ham United? Disharmony, defeat, and the next few weeks are really tough. Charlton in the Carabao Cup, but Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Spurs, Man City, Liverpool, all before Halloween. I mean, it's a nightmare on Green Street, isn't it? (laughs) Very good. I mean, listen, it's going to be difficult for them. I mean, they they gave me no encouraging signs with the performance against Newcastle. They all look way off it. They look disjointed. Um, For me, Declan Rice looked like a figure that was kind of He'd not given up, but he, he was like, what am I playing with here? Um, I think they're still depending way too much on Mark Noble, who's becoming a bit older. Antonio's playing that position. They can't get a tune out of four nails. I think there's so many elements to that team where they need some kind of freshness to it. And David Moyes as well, I think he looks like a man that is kind of not given up. He's thinking, what can I do with this team? We're all over the place. Have they cut the purse strings, the owners? Because the only new face that they've managed to recruit over the course of the summer is Stuart Pearce. Yes and no. Um, because they've made a big bid for James Tarkovsky, which baffles me slightly because I think he's made it pretty clear privately that he doesn't want to go to West Ham. He has no intention of pitching up at London Stadium. It was the same as Shane Duffy, who chose Celtic ahead of West Ham. That probably tells you all you need to know about the perception of West Ham. Exactly. Um, And David Moyes, for me, cut a very frustrated figure after the game. Mm. You've had the situation with Dean Garner. I, I don't believe that Mark Noble will have released the tweet that he did without his manager's backing. So I think he was speaking not just for the fans, but for David Moyes as well on that particular transfer. And I said to Darren on our Sunday afternoon show, the one saving grace for West Ham at the weekend was that it was behind closed doors because if there were fans in that stadium, it would have turned toxic pretty quickly. And I think the brand of West Ham is in turmoil at the moment. And you've mentioned those fixtures. You can't see where the next win is coming from. I think David Moyes expected that he would be able to revamp the squad this summer after steering them to safety last season. That hasn't happened. He's still got players there like Allaire, who doesn't look interested. Same for Anderson, same for Lanzini. Big problems for West Ham, and you can see why their fans are so disenchanted. I totally agree. I mean, there's way too many players there. Felipe Anderson, Lanzini, Yarmolenko you can throw in there as well, that just don't look interested. And I think... No one's going to take these players because they're on high wages as well. So for David Moyes, he is trying to do the job with one hand tied behind his back because he does probably want to bring players in, but he can't get some out. So he's kind of stuck. And I can kind of understand now why they sold the Ghana just to get a little bit of money in. But still, I wouldn't have sold him because he's an exciting young talent. Do they sell Declan Rice to get a little bit more cash? Quite possibly. Chelsea is still pushing for that one behind the scenes. I think, again, privately, he's quite interested in a move to Stamford Bridge. Well, his best mate's there. He was playing there for a few years before he went to West Ham United. And obviously, he's looking at what's around him and, and thinking to himself, I'm not going to achieve much here. And if he wants to enhance his England ambitions in a European Championship year, then I suppose the idea is attracted to him. But I think that they're asking for a huge amount of money. And I'm not million pounds, necessarily I think. sure that if I had £80 million, pounds, that's where I'd be spending it. You? No, I wouldn't spend the £80 million pounds on Declan Rice. But if you can get a large sum, but with the whole Declan Rice situation, if he was a centre-forward that was scoring goals and they were relying on him so heavily that he was, you can't sell him because he, he's a match winner, mm. then I'd say, listen, you can't sell him. But because he's a de- defensive midfield player and you do sell him and he's your best player... Is that going to really change lives down there at West Ham? I'm not particularly sure. Like he doesn't win games for you. Like yeah, he's a very very good player, but he he, he does play in a position where you can replace players. So can you imagine the reaction of the supporters though? There would be uproar. They see him as a modern day Bobby Moore, having already sold Dean Garner. If they then sell Declan Rice, they will be well. 
incredible. But it's a good job that it's behind closed doors, as you were saying. Because oh, no, they'll, they'll, they'll be waiting outside that stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> I saw that, actually. And I wonder how, actually, that would affect the players going into the ground, seeing all those banners outside and people lining the streets. Ultimately, that's never a good thing, whether or not you're you're playing in front of a crowd or whether or, you know, you're just going into training on a regular basis. Gives them an excuse. But the idea of going into a ground, you know, what, how does it affect you when you see that sort of disharmony? Yeah, it will affect you, but you're right. When there's no fans in the stadium, it, it kind of helps you a little bit because you think, right, maybe certain passes that you might play, you can play it because there's no kind of backlash from the fans. But I'm telling you, with, with this crop of players and what's going on at West Ham, they're lucky that they're at the London Stadium because at that, the old Upton Park, where it was that tight car park and the fans used to congregate around that gate, I'd, I'd been in situations where you can't get out. You've got to stay in there all night because West Ham fans will not accept what's going on now. And the, their only saving grace is that fans are not allowed at the stadium. But if it was at Upton Park, it'd be a different story. Okay, let's talk about uh, another club uh, in London, Crystal Palace. 30% possession, missing five defenders, but beating Southampton. Um, Look, let's be completely honest about the performance. I don't think it's going to frighten anyone. And I don't think that Crystal Palace will be shouting too loud about it. But it is a victory at home. And as you've already mentioned, they're going to try and invest in in another uh, attacking player to sort of enhance the uh, the offensive line that Roy Hodgson has put together, thirty one goals last season. They're not particularly attractive oh. to watch, are they? I mean, crazy. I mean, if you if you got that on your on your match list, you'd be like, oh, really? Have I got to go there? Um, because they're, they're, they're just not entertaining. Oh, they're not a particularly great team. They're just very well organised, and they just try to stifle the life out of a game. So Southampton will be kicking themselves, right? They were expecting more from Southampton. Do you know what I mean? I thought they'd go there. Dan Ings has been in great form. I thought maybe he, he would cause one or two problems. But for Crystal Palace, it's, it, you're right in what you're saying there. They do stifle teams. And defensively last season, well, especially before lockdown, defensively they were really tight. And at home, they very they leaked not that many goals. But you're right. They need to find a way of scoring more goals. They need to get a, a finer tune out of Zaha. He started the season quite well, got a goal. But I still don't think he was great yesterday. Yeah, I'm watching Crystal Palace is about as entertaining as going out for dinner with Jose Mourinho and Christian Eriksen. <laughs> what what a dinner date that would be, or not? I would I wouldn't mind their paying. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you have to give Roy Hodgson credit for the fact that he continues to get the best out of a, a pretty limited group of players, and his strength and their strength is that they stay in games. And they did that again. Well done, Roy. Well done. Fantastic work. Should we talk about Ralph Hasenhutl, the second coming though? Shouldn't, because I mean, obviously, you know, Crook would love to take Ralph out for a beer. I mean, he said it a number of occasions. He'd love to spend a bit of time in Ralph's company. Ralph wearing those tight, slate (laughs) grey, almost (laughs) leggings that he wears on the touchline. Uh, Crookie, definitely not uh, (laughs) trying to sport a pair of those. But anyway... um, what, what what went on there? He's supposed to be this master uh, sports science guy who gets everybody fitter than anybody else. That certainly didn't look the case on Saturday. I think he'd have been surprised. Southampton fans were surprised. And I think us as outsiders looking on were also surprised because I think most of us expected that they would go there and win that game. I certainly did. Um, they missed Stuart Armstrong in midfield and he's going to be out for the next five or six matches, which is a problem because he brings energy, he brings drive. Probably outside of Danny Ings, he was their best player last season. They've lost Hoivier. I don't think that's the problem, but you're not going to win many matches with respect if your midfield consists of Oriol Romeo and Will Smallbone, who may well be... Should they have kept Mario Lamina? <laughs> no, we've already discussed uh, why they got rid of Mario Lamina. You I might stand by those comments. might want to go back to our pod on Thursday yeah. for, uh, <laughs> for details of uh, the foreign mercenary jibe that yeah. Crook came out with. Yeah, I need to listen to this as well. Yeah. This, this kind of threw me there, and the, yeah. the, little, the little laugh there. I need to listen back to this. But they do need a, a, another dominant midfielder. 
um, but they haven't got the money to spend because they've made some poor signings over the past few seasons that they're still trying to shift off the wage bill. I also think it might be a difficult season for Danny Ings. We talk about second season syndrome. I know this isn't his second season, but he did so well last year to get the goals he did. But he's not going to score the same level of goals again, is he? And there's an expectation on him now, not just from Southampton fans, but from opposition England defenders. watchers as well. And Yeah, they'll probably pay him closer attention. Yeah. Mm. And that's where they need Shea Adams to step up. Again, I think a lot of people expect him to have a better season. He can't really have a worse one, in all honesty. But... Maybe it was a wake-up call for Southampton that actually they're still quite a long way from being the finished article. They got any dosh? Not really. And that's a problem. Uh, the Chinese owners have said that they're not willing to invest. They want them to be self-sustainable. There is they're some, trying to sell, aren't they? There is takeover talk. There was an American billionaire um, link with possibly coming in. I understand that maybe isn't close to happening, but I do know of at least one other interested party who would like to make an offer. The, the problem is that uh, the Gao family, the Chinese owners, are very difficult to track down and actually make them an offer. But it depends who you are. <laughs> but listen, that, again, takeovers take a long time. That isn't going to have an instant impact on Ralph Hasenhutl's spending. And credit to him, because he never complains, he hasn't moaned, this is still not his team, he's still working with the dregs largely of uh, some on, failed hold managers. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's still not his team. It's he's not been his there, team. He's been there for 18 months. Yeah, but how many players has he been able that. to sign? Well, even so, he's got to work with... You, could, you don't just come into a club and get an, uh, the opportunity to sign 23 different players do you <laughs> no but he'd like to sign five or six and he hasn't even been able to do that uh, okay it's not his team folks <laughs> Fulham against Arsenal and West Brom Leicester let's uh, reflect quickly on uh, Fulham Arsenal I've mentioned already Fulham's defence but is Arteta going to be pretty happy with a 3-0 victory away from home at Craven Cottage yeah he's got to be I mean there had been a time where Fulham might have caused Arsenal a few problems. He seems to have kind of got that out of their game. I thought defensively they looked quite strong, but it always helps because Fulham would have come out there with a game plan. But when you score after 10 minutes, that completely that game plan goes out the window and then you're playing Arsenal's game. You've got to come out, you've got to try and take the game to Arsenal and with the pace that they've got on the counter-attack, they'll just pick you apart. Uh, William was poor, wasn't he? I mean, <laughs> good, good job Chelsea let him go on a free. It's the story of the two Samba boys, wasn't it? William That's providing right. the assists and, and Gabriel, a good old-fashioned defender. He loves to protect his own goal and that's what Arsenal needed. He got needed. a shaky start though. A couple passes I thought, oh no, here it, we go. It, it was a bit wobbly for the first five <laughs> minutes but he grew into the game, didn't he? I mean, it didn't help that Ainsley Maitland-Niles fired a back pass at the no. Arsenal defence at about 400 mile an hour. <laughs> but it is befitting, isn't it? They've got a player called Gabriel because before Arteta came in the Champions League looked out of reach. Not yeah. anymore. And But dreams come true. That's why he got off the mark on his, <laughs> his debut. Hey, don't you worry, we're going nowhere. Uh, Arsenal had a huge number of players not playing yesterday as well. Socrates, Mustafi, Ertzel, Gunduzi, Pepe uh, on the bench, Enketia, Saliba, Cedric Suarez. I mean, who on earth uh, is going to be able to, to manage that? I mean, they must have dipped into the overdraft to pay that wage bill. Yeah, but I mean, some of the ones you said there, Socrates and people like that, Mustafi, I mean, I think the manager would like to move them aside because he's some, he's got Saliba to come back as well. Um, so I, I think it's nice to have being an Arsenal fan depth in the squad now I'm not sure the quality depth is, is there but there's players that can step in I mean Pepe was left on the bench and, and I think the Williams sign is going to be a positive impact on him because he'll look at how to conduct yourself how to play at the highest level and I think you'll get an opportunity at some stage I thought William was outstanding, outstanding yes, yeah, uh, on Saturday and look you know, he may not be able to sustain that over the course of an entire season but it's certainly on Saturday itself I mean he stood out like a shining light um, let's talk about uh, West Brom's defeat to Leicester City uh, actually I thought it was quite an even game up to half time but once Leicester City went ahead I mean it sort of collapsed around Slavon Bilic's ears two penalties for Jamie Vardy he's off the mark 
again. Um, and I thought Harvey Barnes was particularly impressive. They used to sing Barnes, Barnes will tell you tear you apart when he was on loan at West Bromwich Albion. Uh, he came back to haunt them, didn't he? Yeah, and that happens so often, doesn't it? A player goes back to his former club and turns on the star. What would worry me if I was Slavon Bilic was this was by no means Leicester at their best. The fact that Didi was having to play at centre-back and yeah. normally when he doesn't play midfield, they struggle. The fact they've still been well beaten suggests to me that West Bromwich Albion are probably only here to make up the numbers. It looked like a championship side to me and I think they'll be back in the championship very soon. Well, Andy Cole said to me on the Sunday session yesterday, it's a championship forward line and they've only reinforced with championship players and that is a concern. It is, yeah. I mean, listen, everyone deserves an opportunity to play but you're right you thought in certain areas they would have signed maybe another centre forward that's a, a proven goal scorer but then there's not too many of them about it's also so difficult with, and we must remember this we're in the middle of a COVID-19 yeah. pandemic where there's no influx of money from anywhere especially not through the gate and people are spending less I imagine on merchandise etc etc commercially they can't be doing as well All, none of the boxes are filled they would have expected to cash in massively on a promotion to the Premier League but that hasn't been the case so I suppose people are cutting their cloth Accordingly. And had they have not gone up, my understanding is they would have been in big financial problems, West Ooh. Bromwich Albion. I just, listen, I think West Brom need to at some stage find a way of working with what they got. We've seen managers come up and not spend an awful amount of money, but just you've got to find a system and a way to play and you've got to be more harder to play against. Now, you can't go out and play against Premier League teams the same way you played last season in the Championship because you're going to get turnover every single week. You need to find a way, be hard to play, and then if you can kind of sustain it in the game, then maybe as the game goes on, start to get yourself more of a foothold in the game and then you can maybe implement your style on them. Okay, the game day uh, Premier League post-match pod is very much looking back at what has happened over the weekend so far. But there are two games on Monday night, Sheffield United against Wolves and Brighton against Chelsea. Here comes Lallana, bursting away, striking off Dan, moving into the area. It's Adam Lallana who drives the ball past Wayne Hennessy. He also brings a quality and uh, on the football pitch as a, as a footballer. And they've added to that with you know some fantastic players, so they're going to be a, a real force this year, I think. Werner, ball over the top, Werner's in, left foot and into the net, and Timo Werner has got his hat-trick. And Ziyech had all the time in the world to sweep it in from 15 yards. But it might be the right angle for oh. a cross, and they've found the head yet again of Kai Havertz. So I believe and have believed for a while that this is generational talent. I believe he's a future captain of Germany. Ben Chilwell with a stunning goal from the left edge of the area has won the game for Leicester. We should be excited, but we should also have a slight word of caution that we need to work with the new players to get them settled into the team and get the team working as well as possible. You have to play these teams at some point and we, we, we played Chelsea at home in the first game and we're looking forward to testing ourselves against you know what will be one of the best teams in the league. Of course we want to start well but we have to respect Brighton and know the good team that they are. We're going away from home to their stadium. Here comes the money. Uh, the expensive Germans Werner and Havertz playing for Chelsea for the first time. I mean, they now have got a lot up top, but uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the defence. Uh, Thiago Silva lacks a little bit of fitness. Ziyech and uh, Chilwell not going... In fact, it's Ziyech. 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 Yes, yeah, so I did a bit of research on that. Ziyech, you have to say. Ziyech and Chilwell are not available uh, yet. Uh, Pulisic and Afpilicueta have overcome hamstring problems which dogged them at the end of last season and robbed them of uh, well, robbed them of actually participating in the whole of the FA Cup final as a result of that. Uh, Chelsea look like they're going to score a lot of goals but will Brighton trouble that dodgy defence? Well, they met in a friendly, didn't they? 
um, not so long ago. And yeah, I think Werner scored within three minutes and 33 seconds. But it ended in a draw? Ended 1-1? One, 1-1, one? One, one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chelsea were very good in the first half, not so good in the second. Rudiger made a couple of big mistakes. And it might be similar, because when you've signed six or seven players, as Frank Lampard has, it takes time to integrate them into your squad. So if you're Brighton... Not if half of them are injured. This is probably the best time to play Chelsea, though, because he's still trying to work out what his best eleven is. He, he might be trying to work out what his best system is. There'll be players there who, who perhaps feel under extra pressure because of the new signings, and, and that could impact their performance. And I think Brighton are going to be a much better side this year under Graham Potter than they were last season. I, I like Lamptey, former Chelsea player, as an attacking fullback. I think Adam Lallana will bring something on and off the pitch. I, I'm actually there for TalkSport, and I think this will be a very entertaining game. Chelsea will probably win... I think Brighton will score and I could see it just being a narrow 2-1 victory. I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to watching Timo Werner, I have to say. Goals were a problem for Brighton last season. They didn't score too many. But because Adam Lallana is such a clever player and he creates so many sort of little half opportunities to get the ball into the forwards, do you think Neil Mopai will thrive this campaign? Yeah, I would because when you've, got, when you've got a midfielder that's willing to go past someone, you know I mean, supply, he's got two good feet. Then as a striker, if someone's supplying the bullets... It's, it always helps. So for me, I think he'll score a lot more. I like Neil Moore. I thought he did well last season. I know he didn't score that many, but I think he's a clever player. But with Lallana maybe just behind him and creating opportunities for him, I do think that he'll score a few more this season. Chelsea will play four at the back. They'll have to play Keparariza Balaga in goal because Edouard Mende, is it done yet? No? I think next 48 hours. But it's yeah, not going to be done. Not in time to play. Where's, no. where's Carabero or Calabero? Yeah, Caballero. Caballero. Big Willie. Where is he? He's on the bench. Okay, so but will he play Kepper? Kepper yeah. knowing that he's about to be replaced as number one, or, or perhaps the safer option could be Caballero. Um, but going forward, how do they line up? Because they've got so many new trinkets. Um, they've got Havertz. I think he might play as as the lead striker with Pulisic and and Werner either side of him. You know. No, I think I'm going to go Werner down the middle. Are you? Uh, yeah, I think Pulisic on the left, Havertz in that number 10 behind, yeah. and then on the right-hand side, maybe Pulisic, as you said there. Or we can't pu- Pulisic can't play on the left and the right. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Werner down the middle. I mean, Pulisic. he's good, but he's not that good. <laughs> I'm trying to think on the right-hand side, you, you could play there. Well, Ziyech is injured. Yeah, so maybe Hudson-Odoi, is he, is he fit? Yeah, Hudson-Odoi's fit, yeah. Potentially, yeah, but I think I'd like Mason to... Mason Mount, maybe? Yeah. Havertz in the I whole I think he'll line. play deeper this season. Havertz behind, I think. I think he'll cause a lot of problems. Them late runs into the box, and I think he's got real quality. So I think they'll play four three three, and Pulisic and, uh, and Werner is almost like outfliers down in the in the channels, with uh, Havertz playing almost like a false nine, but maybe holding the ball up well and bringing the others into play as well, but showing his great silky skills on the ball. It's going to be fantastic to see how this all works. I have to say, I'm really looking six, forward to every being game. There. They're going to win six four. <laughs> every game. Uh, Sheffield United against Wolverhampton Wanderers is another Monday night game. It kicks off at six o'clock. Uh, Chris Wilder in pretty good spirits when I spoke to him over the weekend. He seems to be pretty happy about um, what they've done over the course of the summer. Look, they're never going to spend a huge amount of money, but um, they played very well last uh, campaign. There is a bit of a problem with Sander Burge, who sustained a knee problem on international duty, and he might well miss out the game. Uh, what are we thinking here? Well, I think much like Wolverhampton Wanderers, it's going to be very difficult for Sheffield United to replicate what they did last season because, again, there's clubs around them, bigger clubs with bigger transfer budgets that mean business their loan market work has been very good though they picked up Ethan Ampadu they picked up Aaron Ramsdale for a fee good goalkeeper yeah um, like him Bogle you know. and Lowe have been picked up from Derby County as well yeah but they're, they're not for me players who are going to help necessarily maybe aside from Ramsdale Sheffield United assert themselves in the top half of the table I think they'll finish in the bottom half I think they'll be okay in, in terms okay of relegation them, though, but 
they're going to be looking over their shoulders more this season than they were last. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the Bogle and the Max Larnodon both both very, very good youngsters. But good was, pros, aren't they? They are good pros, but it's a bit of a surprise that they signed them both at the same time. I'd probably say Max is better than Jaden Bogle. But Max, Max plays as a defensive midfield player or a left-back, is that right? Defensive midfield player, no. No? <laughs> no, left back or left wing back, left yeah. Back. Him playing centre midfield would, would not work. No. No. Left back and right back, they've obviously signed them because they want back up to Stevens and Bulldog, right? Yeah, correct, yeah. Um, talking of wing backs, um, who's going to play at right wing back for Wolverhampton Wanderers? I suggested to you last Thursday that without Doherty and with Johnny obviously struggling, um, they're going to have to play Traore at right wing back, aren't they? Yeah, because I think uh, Vanagra will play left wing back. Um, so yeah, I'd imagine Traore, who's done that role before, uh, will probably occupy that slot. That will be pleasing, I think, for Chris Wilder because obviously that will negate some of his uh, attacking capability. And they'll like the idea of facing a team that want to get crosses into the box because they've got the three central defenders that love eating those up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But listen, he's a playing him at right wing back. He's a different animal. Like he's on, he's unstoppable, Traore. But it's, it's going to be interesting. But I do think that Wolves won't have a successful season as they had last season. Really? Yeah. Despite the fact they've got no European commitments? Yeah, I just don't know. I think that maybe potentially they were fantastic last season, but I just think the campaign they had last season will take it out of them a little bit and I don't think they'll hit the same standards as they did last year. But listen, it's it's been great to spend uh, some more time with you in person. Obviously, you two have become very cosy uh, <laughs> now that you've got your own show together. Um, you, it's the boot room, isn't it, on a Sunday night on TalkSport? Yeah, five till eight, uh, the Darren Brent boot room. Did I hear that uh, Alex Crook has confessed that he wears bright red boots? He does, yeah. Even today, he, he likes it, yeah. We even had one of his oh, old... Are we having that? I, I don't mind it. I mean, we even had... Was it your old boss? No, my old employee. He, he was a boss. Like, someone called up that he used to manage. Really? Yeah. The, the Where's job? the relationship? He used there? to work for my news agency. Right, okay. And and what happened? When he rang up? I mean, he just didn't ring up to say hello. Did he? No, he rang up to talk about Arsenal. And uh, then he compared me to Unai Emery as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> What talks a lot of gibberish and no one can understand what he wanted. Fair enough. Uh, that's it, folks. TalkSport has League Cup action this week, including four ties from the second round of the competition. West Ham against Charlton and Leeds against Hull City also feature on that roster. Looking forward to that. Darren Lewis, Alex Crook and I will be back on Friday morning. Make sure you rate and review the show, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.